0: 27 years ago, Nigerians went to the polls to elect a new leader as part of a transitional process that was supposed to usher in democracy and bring an end to military rule. Although the results of those elections were never officially made public, as the elections were annulled by the military, it is widely believed they were won by businessman and politician MKO Abiola and his running mate Babagana Kingibe. It was the first time nigerians would elect leaders who were both muslims and many believed that these were the fairest elections in the history of the country the announcement heralded the start of a struggle for the return of nigeria to a democratic system of government it was a struggle that took many lives including that of kudirat abiola the senior wife of mko abiola she was murdered in cold blood for leading a bold campaign that was persistently condemning the annulment of the elections and the tyranny of the military government, which had locked up her husband and jailed many other activists. This struggle for democracy eventually took the life of MKO Abiola himself, as he died in prison on July 7, 1998. For many years, these elections were commemorated only in the southwestern states of Nigeria. But two years ago, President Mohamedou Buhari declared June 12th as Democracy Day. So, how has Nigeria fared since the advent of democracy? Are we marking June 12 in a way that makes it meaningful and advances democracy? And what exactly does the fact that we mark this year's democracy during a pandemic actually mean? Hello and welcome to NOW, our podcast, which examines the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on all aspects of our lives. I am Kadriha Ahmed. Human and civil rights campaigner Hafsat Abiola Costello, whose parents died fighting for democracy, says the declaration of June 12 as the National Democracy Day was spellbinding for her.
1: It was an out-of-body experience for me. I felt as if
0: my spirit flew out of my body. I felt like I wasn't there. Activist and human rights campaigner Joe Odumaki says we must keep to the democratic ideals which June 12 symbolizes.
2: So, ensuring the truth spirit of June 12, which is free, fair and credible elections, is the best way of ensuring that we keep to the democratic ideals which June 12 uh, stands for.
0: Award winning filmmaker and Oscar George, Femi Odukbemi, says June 12 represents the possibility of higher ideals in governance.
3: June 12 represents a day that says it is possible for Nigerians to be united in one purpose. It is possible for hope to prevail over our fears. It is possible for us to aspire, you know, to the higher ideals of governance.
0: June 12 is now the official National Democracy Day in Nigeria. And although many of the activities to mark that day, which require the physical presence of people are not taking place, there are events online and the media is enabling conversations on the significance of the day. Dr. Joe Odumaking is a frontline activist and president of Women Arise for Change initiative. She was a strong voice during the June 12 struggle and has remained consistent in her fight for democratic ideals. I asked her what June 12 means to her.
2: Well, the decision to declare June 12 democracy Day by President Muhammadu Buhari is acceptable because we asked for the declaration 25 years ago. Also, the GCFR award given in recognition of M.K. Abiola was long overdue. That's a right step in the right direction. That's the fitting memorial we can give to this June 12th. that by working the talk. is to ensure that we invite the ideals of June 12th. One of the ideals is free, fair, and credible elections. Elections should not be war, fair. It should be carnival type and uh, ballot integrity. Matters a lot. So, Nigerians, irrespective of creed, race, religion, inclination, or affiliation, came out overwhelmingly and voted for a Muslim-Muslim secret. So, enshrining the true spirit of June 12th, which is free, fair, and credible elections, is the best way of ensuring that we keep to the democratic ideas which June 12th stands for.
0: It sounds almost as if what you're saying is that we are falling short of those ideals, in your view.
2: Yes, well falling short of the ideas of a free, fair, and credible elections. friends sort of. You see, election is like war. As we look at Ondo, uh, Edo now, it's like everyone beating the warm, uh, the war drum. Apart from that, political players. Are not strictly keeping to the rules of the game. And uh, when we had MKO, he kept to the rules, and ensured that he uh, stayed away from uh, influencing either the voters or even the umpire. So it's important that we restore ballot integrity. It's important that people have free choice, people are not coerced, uh, votes are not bought. People are not uh, terrified. They are not being chased away. It's also good that irrespective of race or tribe, that we vote according to our conscience. And uh,
0: It sounds as if you're saying that the annulment of June 12 is what has led to these losses that we're now experiencing as we try to enshrine democracy in this country.
2: Yes, yeah, that's the fact, because the present annulment of... Uh, June twelve, both as judge both locally and nationally as the first friends and most people. And we lost the man and the mandate. We lost leaders at Olafar after the wedding. I was shot on my leg, and uh, as I speak up to today, I I feel the pain when I touch the leg because I had no time to go to the hospital. We also found out that economically we're almost we're more divided than ever, and that's why up to today people see talk about restructuring Nigeria. The election was run off. Uh, There was no violence. The the electorate themselves spoke their minds loud and clear. And that message, MKO, is our man. No, so no one ever missed the message.
0: We, we are marking this particular day at a time when the globe is facing a global pandemic. And of course, Nigeria has not been spared. In light of the pandemic and another struggle that people are having now with health and trying to stay alive, what, in your view, is the best way to commemorate this particular day?
2: In of coronavirus and the pandemic, uh, MKU will continue to live. Uh, forever And then June 12th has come to stay. So the best way that we can continue to remember June 12th for the matter that we have to keep to the rules so that we we'll avoid the spread of coronavirus. So either people will gather, you know, through I mean, online, Zoom, Skype. The most important thing is that let us continue to remind ourselves that some people pay the price. They made that supreme sacrifice. Men and women of courage and men and women of history have never been in short supply. All of us that are remaining, in order for us not to let M.K. Biola's death be in vain, and several others, let us continue to invite all that they live and die for. By walking the talk, we'll we'll pay uh, less attention to... People being in government are not rendering selfless service. Our dear country, Nigeria is keeping under the heavy weight of corruption. If so we don't kill corruption, corruption will kill us, women, more than ever. Look at, we are experiencing rape, so we must put a halt to all this in order for us I and mean, need to enter lasting democracy.
0: Hafsat Abiola Costello's life has in many ways been shaped by activism and democracy, often at 24, Hafsat has dedicated her life and work to honoring the legacy of her parents. She founded the Kudirat Initiative for Democracy Kind with the vision of an Africa where women are full participants in the continent's development. I asked her how she felt when she first got the news two years ago that June 12 would cease to be just any other day in the calendar, but a day declared as Democracy Day. I feel really happy um, that this is being recognized nationwide. I remember
1: when I heard that um, President Buhari um, intended to honor my dad, which was two years ago, um, on the 25th anniversary of June 12th. It was six days to June 12th, so that was on the 6th of June, and we were still in Ramadan at the time, So, but a friend of mine had died unexpectedly, so I'd gone to um, commiserate with his family. Normally, to break my fast, I would be back at home. But because um, I'd gone to greet the family, I, w- I found that I was stuck on the highlands, and so I went to a restaurant to eat by myself. And I got a call as I was about to break my fast, and they said um, that this is something, it was my immediate younger brother, Jamie who called to tell me what President Buhari had just announced. And I tell you, Kaderia, it was an out-of-body experience for me. I felt as if my spirit flew out of my body. I felt like I wasn't there. Like I I couldn't even hear what my brother was saying. And now I think back and I think my spirit probably wanted to make a quick trip to my father to tell him. I was so happy. I cannot really express to you how gratified I felt by that recognition. The whole family to Abuja to be um, in Asurab for the ceremony. And I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to President Buhari's remarks on that day, but I found them very moving and powerful. I'm so happy because for 24 years up until that time, hardly anything was said. Even in 1999, this is just months after my father died, when it was still so present in everybody's minds. And I thought at that time that, President Obasanjo would ask for a minute of silence to remember all those who had fought that Nigeria um, have um, democracy restored. Nothing at his inauguration, nothing. And that set a pattern of nothing for not one year, not two, not three. We went on like this for 24 years. I, I'm just really gratified to be alive to see this day and to be alive to to see everything come full circle. I just actually got off um, a webinar, um, the inauguration of the um, National Economic Summit Group Mid-term planning committee that has been set up to work in conjunction with the federal ministries in Nigeria on a, a long-term plan for Nigeria's development that can span 30 years, which, you know, for someone that lived for some years in China, plans that span 30 years is you know it's it's what they do over there and for someone that is married to a brit who works within the european commission system where they also work on long-term plans i'm just so happy to be in this space where nigeria is working on a long-term plan with a lot of major um, important nigerian figures all of us been charged to think of our best ideas and how the country can move forward. So, yes, it, I'm happy that MKO was honored. And I'm also happy to see that, to me, it looks like the country is moving in the direction it needs to move for us to solve the problems we need to solve.
0: In many ways, your family, if you like, um, paid the ultimate price. When you look back now, do you believe that the sacrifices that they made were worth it, if you see where Nigeria is today? So Kagari, I feel that I'm honored to be their daughter and to know that they were
1: people who ultimately put the country ahead of their own personal interests. In the struggle that was waged at the time, there were many opportunities for them to betray the trust that was um, given to them by the people of Nigeria. And even there were some things in the way that we managed the whole struggle at the time, that many people felt, oh, you shouldn't have done it this way and all of that. But What I'm honored about and proud about is that I, I know they did their best. And I think that's really all that you can ever do. And while we in Africa often feel that um, our own challenge is internal... I question that analysis. And I think that our challenge is more than local. It's not just a Nigerian problem. It's not just a problem of Nigerian leadership. It's a problem of world order. So within that um, frame, I think of my parents as just two more victims of many millions of victims. And my interest is what do we do going forward to make sure that we can put in place a, a, um, a different order of society that is more equitable more just where we're not going to be losing millions of black people where the the knee of a system is not on our necks stuffing out our lives i think this is the challenge that we as black people and we as nigerians in the country with the biggest number of black people really need to own and take responsibility for now
0: And and indeed, there are those who argue that part of the reason that black people globally have not made much progress in dismantling systemic racism is that on the continent, the countries that are perhaps uh, best equipped to provide that leadership that allows some sort of uh, coming together of black people in a way that allows them to be a force to reckon with and deal with these issues hasn't happened. So Nigeria, for example, the failure of Nigeria... Um, sort of also translates on the global stage as the failure of Black people. What do you think about that?
1: I think Nigeria has a clear and present responsibility. And I think, you know, I know that we're not doing so very well in managing that responsibility, but sometimes I think that we also should acknowledge what we do do well. I only just discovered when we face the challenge before, Dr. Akinwumi Additional at the Africa Development Bank, you know, as we're grappling with that challenge, a lot of the history of the um, establishment of the bank is coming out into the so- social media's time. And I saw um, um, something from the former president, shiru Shagari, where he, he lamented the fact that um, in the establishment of the Africa Development Bank, Nigeria is the largest shareholder, and he had tried to convince many other African countries to put more money. And he said, you know, many of them, he would go to conferences and they would speak so much. And they started putting him under pressure so that um, in the end, we had to open the share bases to allow foreign um, countries, non-African countries to buy shares. And now we are grappling with the problem of that today, as you see. It makes me sad. One of the stories I like to tell my little children is... um, what I liked about their dad, who is a white (laughs) British guy from um, England. And when I first met Nick, he was telling me why he liked Nigeria. He used to be in the development unit of the European Commission, but he has since moved to another unit. But when he was in the development unit and at the very um, top level there, he used to travel all over Africa. And he went to Zambia, he went to many countries across Africa. And he told me, he said, what he liked about Nigeria. Is that Nigerians didn't even look at him twice. He said when he went into many of the other African countries, it was he wouldn't know anything about the country because he's just going on a mission and he's discovering the country. But the people there would look at him as if he had the answers to their problems. Like um, as soon as he opens his mouth, they will look at him and focus on him and whatever he said, that's what they want to do. Nigeria wasn't like that. In fact, Nigerians didn't even notice he was there. Mm. <laughs> i was so glad. I was so glad because not that I want him to be ignored. No, I don't want him to be ignored. But I don't want us to be treating other people as if they're superior to us. We're all equal. And he got the fact that Nigerians saw themselves as equal to everybody else. It made me very happy. I think that that's why we can be hopeful about Nigerians. We need to have more confidence in what we can do. And we have to consistently try to do it.
0: Now, to to come back to uh, June 12th and Democracy Day in Nigeria, it is, of course, happening at a time when there's a global pandemic and Nigeria is not exempt from some of the the impacts of that. And um, we're not likely to see the sort of ceremonial marking of the day that you would normally see had it been we were in normal times. But from your perspective, what are the sort of things that you think should be done to mark democracy day and why?
1: I think we're at a turning point globally because of the global pandemic. The global pandemic has shown us all that, um, you know, nobody has the answers. We're all figuring it out. And that policies matter, states matter, state capacity matters. Trust between people and leadership matters. And it has ramifications for how we manage issues, including this COVID-19 issue. You know, the countries where there's the most trust between leadership and the people, the countries where, um, that have done the best in not adopting neoliberal economic policy um, are now really performing pretty well in the management of this crisis. Whereas the countries that um, pushed the state back until it was invisible um, and gave the market free reign are having the most challenges now. So when we look at Nigeria, when we look at the other countries of the continent, I think this should be a wake-up call to us that states matter. We need to focus on the effectiveness of our state and that we need to um, address education, health care, and social infrastructure. If we want this democracy day to matter, we should treat it like an examination, like a time when we reflect together that how well are we doing in ensuring the connection between our leadership and our people, around the common task of building our country. That's what we should be using this time because it's a day. And if if you want to have this kind of conversation, it can't be on a day. We should build up to it. We should have a series of conversations across the country uh, that our leaders tune in to listen to and engage the people. And then on that day, if we want, then we can synthesize and see how, what we what we're taking away to go forward. Our ceremonies are too much we need to now just become more humble in how we engage with each other and focus on the tasks, the work that needs to be done.
0: I'm almost certain that if um, your dad and your mom were to come back, they will not recognize Nigeria today, a Nigeria in which we've got uh, terrorism, um, with our soldiers fighting that terrorism in the north, east where you've got banditry on the rampage in the north, Where you know, for whatever reason, our fault line seems to have deepened even further, and there's more talk of tribe and ethnicity and religion. Um, are you hopeful under those sort of circumstances about Nigeria's future? I think that if we take that long view that I wanted,
1: that I uh, I told you that I generally like to take, I think we would realize that this is not the first time that we've had um, all this violence, all this arm. Um, all this instability and groups fighting one another, every time that we've allowed that game to be played, where we're set against each other, we come away poorer. Our countries, our our societies are more fractured. And uh, that was the promise of MKO because it brought the country together in an unprecedented way. And I think that, um, to me, that's also a sign of where the challenge of his leadership came from. Because um, that who is benefiting when Africa is as it is, fractured? It's certainly not the African people. I really want to end my comment with you, Padere, with just a message that we should just come together. Yes, different groups have failed each other. We've all failed each other. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us is doing everything perfectly now. And none of us ever will. That's the point of mortality and humanity that we always um, we always have flaws but even so let's look for common ground where we can build together and build a society where our children can call home we have this opportunity africa is incredibly rich in terms of human resources and the problem we've ever had is that the state and society have not been strong enough to protect our interests we can change that narrative but we change it by the way we conduct ourselves and by not playing into the agendas of of other players who, when they fire on the roof of the house, they'll just take off and go. Um, and I wanted to also say, Kaderia, that I'll never forget the very, very first time I met you, and I don't even know if you, you remember, it was in China. You'd come for a conference. And when I first met you, you were saying to me that you'd gone into a room of people, businessmen from all over the world, and they'd been speaking about different business opportunities. And you stood up and you said, where is Africa? And you challenged them. That why I've listened to you talk about so many things, but you're not talking about Africa. Do you know that my father had exactly that same experience in the 70s? He was in a conference of the vice presidents and the president of a global multinational that he worked with. And they mapped the whole world. Oh, in Eastern Europe, we will set up this factory In this place we will do this. In that place we will do this. And my mother was the one that told me the story. She said he stood up and she tried to get him not to stand up. But he was so angry and he stood up and he said, where is Africa? The company's president said, oh, we will always come to Africa for safari. And he challenged them. He said, look, so in closing, I'll say, let us be united. Let us stand up for Africa because nothing is going to change until we do.
0: Award winning Nigerian filmmaker and Oscar George Femi Odugbemi sees June 12 like the present pandemic as an adversary that brings out our innate resilience, uniting us stronger against a common enemy. In his conversation with Abdul Okecheme, he starts by explaining how the pandemic has affected his own industry.
3: Um, the way we deliver creativity will have to change. Obviously, distribution of film, for instance, will become uh, something that has to be re, you know, uh, reimagined. It's going to also obviously affect you know, how filmmakers make film, how TV people you know, tell their stories. It's going to affect you know, the way location operated, who does what. Uh, it's going to affect the cost of making stories.
4: Are All of these things uh, temporary, or they are going to be permanent ways of doing things going forward.
3: Well, I think it's there will be a new normal. That's for sure. I think that one of the new normal would be how we the cost of doing business, especially in the creative sector, will change. Issues like insurance will impact, you know, Medicare. How do we do process and vet the health of those with whom we are working? The whole world is coming to a new understanding of how it will relate and it is through storytelling uh, that we are all going to you know navigate that it's through stories that we are going to embrace what this new normal looks like do you think this
4: is an advantage to the industry or is something that the industry might have to be struggling to cope with
3: my view of any crisis is that there is always an opportunity somewhere there Uh, for us in nigeria for instance uh, you know there is opportunity in the kind of stories that we are going to tell now because essentially there will be a new influx (laughs) uh, of experiences that will be narrated in stories Uh, i do think there is incredible opportunity that would be more long term in the immediate term we would have to be a little more careful, you know, with the health of our people. All of that is a is a small price to pay for the kind of boom that our stories will have uh, going forward. I've seen you
4: virtually every week of this uh, lockdown, and this time I see you are bubbling with
3: life. Is there something you know that we don't know? I did not go down. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I am also, you know, uh, collaborating on a documentary about the impact of COVID-19 in Nigeria, and I think it's it's uh, it's uh, something that's that's important to do. We have to also be able to take hold of our, of our stories, to also establish, you know, uh, our perspective of this in in a document uh, that captures, you know, in a comprehensive way, all the ways in which in which um, as a country we confronted this.
4: So is this project that is giving you so much uh, smiles to your face.
3: <laughs> I smile anyway. I, I I tell you something that I I do like though. There is a joy um, from the fact that Nigerians are coming together as one to respond to something that is such a a, a threat, you know, to humanity. There are many many uh, good things that you see that should make all of us smile. The important thing is that we seize this moment, take, the up, take a lesson from it about how we win only when we stand together and, and confront common enemies. And uh, we move forward, you know, only when we are also being honest and self-reflective.
4: What, in your view, is the significance of June 12th
3: well, personally, for me, it's very exciting to celebrate uh, Democracy Day in Nigeria on June 12th. Simply because it's it's a date that carries a lot of symbolism um, for people of my age, and 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 a day of historical significance for young Nigerians who need to understand the sacrifice that came with democracy. June 12th is so significant because it was on that day that over 14 million Nigerians for the first time, irrespective of their ethnicity, their religion, their class, their affiliations, together. And I still remember it was a day that the weather was not very promising, yet everybody went out to elect a democratic president because we had hope to just end military dictatorship. June 12 represents a day that says it is possible for Nigerians to be united in one purpose. It is possible for hope to prevail over our fears. It is possible for us to aspire you know, to the higher ideals of governance.
4: How should we mark Democracy Day to ensure it is meaningful?
3: How should we mark uh, Democracy Day? I think it goes beyond having events, it goes beyond parades. It's very important that it is a day where we recommit ourselves to um, safeguarding democracy by building the institutions that we need to ensure that the values of democracy, we need to build institutions that safeguard them. Secondly, we've got to make it a day where we elevate accountability that basically interrogates, you know, the purpose of democracy, not democracy simply as a system of governance, but its promise.
4: What should be the role of the arts in promoting democracy?
3: Well, I think arts uh, have a direct impact. On, on our capacity to face the, the complex issues of, of democracy. Art inspires insights uh, by, by symbolically representing visions and, and what is our community aspirations. The arts fosters you know, imagination and creativity and capacities. And all of this is very important for, for our political leadership and obviously in devising you know, how, how we design our, our, our political processes. So yes, we, we need a greater synergy between our storytellers and our political process. Uh, but thankfully, Nigeria has a very vibrant uh, art community, and, and I think that, you know, making this, this, this collaboration stronger and more effective is going to be critical to the survival of our democracy.
0: And that's it for this episode of NOW. I am Ghaedria Ahmed.